Episode 215 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with legendary personal trainer, Gene Scott. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 215 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get the benefits that come alongside it. Well, uh, I've got a pretty cool interview coming up today. So um, uh, there's a lady I've worked with for years, a lady by the name of Jean Scott, and Jean Scott is a role model in the fitness industry for many, many reasons. A is a very, very successful personal trainer. Um, locally, she's just one of the iconic names within my region, but she even made it to the World Personal Training Finals. They have this kind of annual thing, and I think they chose 10 personal trainers in the world, and Jean got to go. They flew to the other side of the world, and she went into this final. So she was recognized as one of the top 10 personal trainers in the world, and this is by one of the governing bodies of health and fitness. So you're dealing with someone who's just a pretty high level here, and there's lots to like about Jean because obviously she understands what it helps to create change for people around health and fitness uh, i really respect jean because she always has a sense of responsibility to the industry she's always given back and always helped develop new people in the industry and as a person she's someone who's always grown herself uh, she's achieved a lot of athletic challenges she took up painting as a hobby and i remember when she first started and she showed me some of her first paintings and you know that was probably 10 15 years ago and now i see her paintings now and she's just evolved into quite an amazing painter and she just understands the importance of self-growth and so i just really wanted to get her on the show because it's it's one of those people who a has the, the kind of the pieces of paper to tell you that she knows what she's doing, but B just has a, a lifetime of experience. And so I kind of contacted her over the weekend and said, Jen, I'd love to get you on the show, and she was keen, so I'm going to be putting it on pretty soon. Now, I've got to be honest, I'm recording this part way earlier than when I'm actually going to be interviewing her, so I haven't actually done the interview yet. So the beginning and the outro of today's show is, um, I haven't actually spoken to Jean, but I can guarantee you guys are going to get a lot from my interview with Jean. I'm actually not going to spend much time on many other things right now, other than just I'm loving the Olympics. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a big fan of sport. I think sport has the ability to uh, grow us and develop us and you know in many powerful ways but watching the elite of the elite and one thing I, I always love to talk about is how you just don't get how amazing Olympians are and the analogy I often will do with my runners is just say you know look at how fast these guys are running 5k in or these females are running 5k in and you know go on a treadmill or, or even the marathon time think of the marathon time jump on a treadmill these guys are running basically 21ks an hour for for around two hours you know when you think about that um, jump on a treadmill, we'll see how long you last. Now, 90% of the population wouldn't even be able to go that speed. 10% can last, you know, minutes. And these guys are doing it for a marathon. And and that's just not marathon running. That's everyone who is at the Olympics is, you're, you're just watching the best of the best. I had a friend who got to the Olympics as a long jumper. And I remember her saying how people don't necessarily understand how hard it is just to get to the Olympics. And, you know, when you're watching the Olympics, you know, just take a moment to appreciate how great these people, even the people who get, like, last in the in the heats, these people are rock star athletes. And, you know, 
that just to get to that level and then you go to actually win an Olympic gold medal is such a hard thing so I just love watching the Olympics because it's one of those moments in life where you get to watch the absolute excellence in human humanity and in you know in all the different sports we get to watch so uh, the thing about me with the Olympics is I'm always pretty much written off over that period of time because I get so tired because I just end up watching a lot of Olympics. The next two weeks are a write-off in my life, but it's a write-off I'm willing to make because I love the Olympics. Anyway, before I get into my interview with Jean, I just want to say a big thank you to the patrons of the show. These are the people who support the show each time I release an episode. They donate some of their hard-earned money my way, and when they do, they get a cool nickname, and one of the, some of these people are Libby Allen Hilda. Libby's really funny. She runs in my running group, and uh, she every she's, she's, she's a... Libby is hard, man. Like Libby's a tough bugger. Uh, but she's not the fastest runner in our group. And whenever we do a track session, she always tries to take on our fastest runner, Gareth, for one of the starts. And this morning she took off and she she beat him to the first corner. And I say, Olympic gold for Libby. And uh, and her nickname's quite appropriate, all in, because when Libby does something, it's never half pie. Uh, we've got Rebecca Bullseye Spears. We've got uh, Bernadette Soul Caliber Parry. We've got Mac uh, Forrest Warhol Ackhurst. Holly the Go-Getter Woodhouse. And then we've also got Sue, the only way up is Chisel. Uh, these people support the show. If you want to support the show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com. Click on podcast. Click on support the show. And then go through the process from there. Anyway, let's get straight into my interview with Jane Scott, the legendary personal trainer. Right, Tim, I'm pretty happy to have a bit of a legend in the game, a lady by the name of Jean Scott. She's been uh, in the industry for over 30 years. How did it, let, let's just go right from day one, Jean. Where did, where did, just, how did it start for you? Well, um, uh, as a very young girl, my sister took me into Les Mills, and it was of the days where you sort of did your aerobics with, with genocide, with, you know, no shoes, and you wore your, your leotard, and so I had you know, crazy leotard, no shoes. And um, I looked at the instructors and I thought, I could do this. I could do this. So I went and got myself all trained up and then I got myself a boom box and my push bike and I put my boom box on the back of my push bike and I biked off to the Rickerton Town Hall and I took my very first um, aerobics class wow. uh, for, for a couple of people. And... Um, I just loved it. I just loved the whole moving music and being able to to help people find their their purpose and their passion. And from there, I then went. Uh, I yeah, did aerobics at QE2. They had quite a big uh, aerobics studio there, and uh, so I went there and uh, freelanced. And then from there, I went to World Gym. And of course, Bevan, you know me. Um, I, I speak my mind um, and say what I say what I think, uh, whether it be the right thing or the wrong thing. <laughs> but uh, the the gym was in a bit of strife um, at that time, and the franchise owner had come into the to the facility to try and sort it out. And so, me not being um, backward at coming forward, told him a few things that he could do to you know help the business, and um, just basically said, you know, you've got a great little business here, but it's just not. It's just not working with how you know how you're running it. Anyway, he offered me the position of manager. Oh wow! Uh, so basically, said put your money where your mouth is, and um, so I 
thought about it. Uh, at that stage, I was working for Countdown. I'd been working for Countdown for 10 years and I was working in the butchery department there. And uh, I was in a position where I did uh, lots of training all around the country uh, for, as a um, meat packer in the butchery. And uh, it's fair to say I was earning so a fairly good money. Uh, my hours were really good, started at six in the morning, got paid till three or four, but most days we were finished by one or two and you know we were still getting paid. So it was a big decision to make. So anyway, Derek and I decided that, yep, let's roll with this. And so I went there as manager and I was there for over 10 years as a manager, but my role as a manager I was a crash worker, I was the cook, I was the cleaner, I did gym programs, I was the aerobics instructor, I was the aerobics coordinator, so you know, I did absolutely everything. And uh, by the time I left there, the business was, the business was pumping. And you know, we had the most amazing community of people. And I still have people come up to me today and go, Georgine Scott, you used to be, you used to manage Will Gym. And I remember when we were there, we did this. And yeah, so quite a, quite a number of the people that we have in at least Mills, uh, people that were with me when I was at Will Gym. Wow. And uh, interestingly enough, one of my personal training clients that was with me at Will Gym is currently still with me. Wow. Um, so he's been a client of mine for over 30 years. Wow. Amazing. Why, why did you leave your gym? Um, I I love to get things started and moving, but I I I need, also need stimulation. So I'm always looking for something that's going to um, create that excitement inside me, so that I continue doing what I'm doing. And I'd mm -hmm. got to a point where um, I the gym was very successful. I was surrounded by amazing humans. And I had uh, taken up bodybuilding and I had done a few events and had decided I'd gone where I could go as far as, you know, physique and stuff goes there. So then I started organizing events and then I was um, a judge for the New Zealand Federation of Bodybuilders. I took um, some men to the, the men's world. So I went to the women's worlds with the ladies and, you know, I'd done all these things and the gym was successful and it's like I'd started doing personal training and I just wanted to put more effort and energy into personal training. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, to be successful in this industry, you need to go to the best place and the best place was Les Mills. Mm -hmm. um, and so I rang Maureen Baker and asked Maureen Baker if um, there was a position there as a gym instructor. You know, you start at the bottom or you go up. And basically Maureen said, um, no, you can come here as a personal trainer. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I went to, to Les Mills. So it was just a, a progression, really, um, a progression of life, I suppose. Um, the, the gym was in... Will Jim was in really good hands with the, the staff that were there. Young guy by the name of Mike Debenham, he um, took over the managing of the gym and then he bought the gym eventually um, and then sold it on to um, Total Fitness in those days. And so then I worked for quite a number of years at Les Mills as a personal trainer. Um, it was probably one of the hardest 
was probably one of the hardest things I ever did actually was going from Wiltshire to Les Mills because mm. it's probably for the first six months nobody really spoke to me. Oh really? <laughs> no, because oh. you know in those days um, you were competing, even though you're not competing. But you know the other personal trainers saw me as competition, and so um, you know. I like to create a little bit of noise and let people know that I'm I'm there. And so when I did that, you know, I was quite quite rowdy and I laughed a lot with my clients and, you know, I was visibly a little bit different because I carried a little blue shopping basket yeah, yeah. with towels and water yeah. bottles and bits and pieces for my clients because that's personal, you know, so I yep, carry so their yes. bits and pieces and fill their water bottles up. And so, you know, all of a sudden you've got this woman that, nobody knows has come into the gym and she's doing all this amazing stuff called personal training and um yeah so the first months were really tough um but then people started to get used to to me and you know my personality and I was really successful as a personal trainer right from right off the bat you know and um I know clients that I had then I still stay in touch with now you know so with personal training is you know some clients stay with you and some clients move on depending on situation uh you know jobs and so forth and so um yeah it was a good move though but every yeah it was a really good move but I even I think back to my days when I was working for Countdown um because I worked there for a long time as well but you know that gave me a lot of the um gave me a lot of skills that I've actually taken into my work life now, mm. you know, so it was pretty awesome. And I stayed full time at um, Les Mills up until 18 years ago when I had my daughter. And um, yeah, and then I pretty much had six months off and then I sort of went back part time. Um, yeah. And so now I, now I personal train from my own studio at home. Uh, and I just do RPM for Les Mills. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. So there's lots of questions here. So first question, I think, you know, because a lot of people who maybe aren't into exercise or struggle with exercise, you know, I've got lots of questions for you, but, you know, you built World Gym up into it and you talked about how you build a community and stuff. Like when you think about people trying to choose fitness options, um, what should they be looking for? And there's probably two ways of looking at this is, is when they're choosing the type of facility they're going to choose and then the, the leaders are going to choose to help guide them along their way. What do you think are some of the key things they should be looking for in regards to the facility and just the one or, or the, like the PT or coach they want to use? Yeah. I think that the first thing that people need to be um, aware of is you need to do something that you enjoy. I don't just do exercise or movement because you think you've got to do it mm. um, and because everybody else is doing it you know find that find that little thing that actually spins your wheels makes you feel good and you know go back to when you're at school what did you do what what sort of movement did you do that you really enjoyed did you enjoy running around you know because we all had to run around the, the school grounds you know did you enjoy that no well then don't go and do that stuff mm. you know like find find the stuff that actually um, makes you makes you feel good and, and enables you to put a smile on your face. And so when you are looking at a facility, um, you want to walk into a facility and you want to feel the warmth of that facility. You know, like you want it 
you want it to be a, a greeting. You know, like you walk in the door and you go, oh man, this place is really nice. I like the colors, you know, I like the colors in the walls or, um, you know, it just gives you a, a really nice feeling. And, you know, I suggest to people, go and walk through the different doors of the different facilities. I mean, because, you know, gyms are like a, a dairy now. There's one on every corner, you mm. know. So it's like, yeah. go in and, and, and see what the see what that vibe is and see what the people are like. Because, I mean, there's, um, you know, it it is about finding your community and, you know, a place that makes you feel good, that you want to go to. Because otherwise if you, you're doing something because you think you have to do it, then you're going to pay the money, but you're not actually going to go, yeah. but you're going to pay the money. So, you know, I would encourage people to walk into different facilities and try them, try the boxing, try the, you know, the, the circuit training or the, the different forms of activity out there, yoga, tai chi. You know, there's just so much out there mm. um, that, you know, just got to open yourself to it and go and do a trial trial you know go and try the different gym classes and i think very very quickly you will know whether a place feels right for you or not and then i the other thing that i also think is really important is people just people just need to move and but they they also need to be very mindful that what they do now will affect their life um, and years to come so you know there's lots of stuff out there that is like really high intensity uh, really high impact uh, perhaps some of the coaches aren't as good as they should be and so you know you want to go where they're actually going to look after your welfare but also keep you safe so you want to go with good coaches not just with you know people that are going to yell and scream and yeah, like motivation is really important, but actually you want to be performing the exercises correctly um, and correctly for you. So you, you need to know that the people that you're working with actually know what they're doing. Mm. What about with a personal trainer? Because, you know, like a, like a lot of people investing in a personal trainer is a big investment, um, but it's a big commitment as well. And it's interesting, my daughter, she's my daughter, she, she was always healthy, but never really an active you know, mm. like a sporty kid as such. And she's recently, she's just turned 24. She's recently, she lives in Australia now. She's just got into the gym buzz and she's really loving it. And, but she's got a young personal trainer, this young girl who she just loves. And it's just, and she said to me recently, I was, I joined the gym and I was kind of a bit half-assed. And then um, I just thought I'll commit to this personal trainer. And you've just seen my daughter thriving with fitness and she's loving it. And obviously this, this young personal trainer she's working with, and is tapped into my daughter to help her go to another level. And so what, what is it that what is it that great personal trainers have that maybe, you know, because it, it's a world where there's a massive turnover, massive failure rate. Um, you know, there's lots of people who think they love exercise, but don't necessarily know how to help people be great with exercise. So, you know, you, you're obviously pretty great yourself, but just that insight that you have and what a good PT has and what people should be looking for. Yeah, um, um Primarily, uh, a good PT needs to be somebody that is prepared to actually listen to what their clients are saying to them. And so right from, right from the get-go, um, all personal trainers should be doing a pre-screen and health questionnaire with their clients. So if you're 
if you're going to see a personal trainer and they start training you and you, they haven't actually done a pre-screen, um, actually delved into your family history, your medical, um, any medical conditions and stuff, then you don't want to be training with them because it, it's really important that the trainer knows that the health wealth of the person that they're working with. And I always talk about health wealth, you know, because what we do is enhancing our health wealth to enable us to, to be in our 70s, 80s and 90s and to still be able to move. Mm. Um, so, you know, so you, your trainer needs to, to be someone that actually cares about your health wealth and will be able to give you the tools to enable you to be able to enhance that over, over time. Um, so, you know, and they need to be, be good listeners, but they also need to be prepared to go fishing and ask, ask more questions as well, because um, it's about building rapport with your client. And so what this young lady that's done, that's working with your daughter, she would have built a rapport with your daughter and she would have asked you all sorts of questions, probably about, you know, her her background, her schooling, uh, what she liked, what she didn't like. Uh, she's probably asked questions about the family. You know, what do you, what, what do your family do? What's, what's dad do? What's mum do? And she'll be building this rapport with you. And then at the same time, she's starting to get a real insight as to how this girl tips and, you know, what she likes, what she doesn't like. Uh, and so then when she's working with you in the gym environment or outside the gym environment, she's actually doing stuff with you that she knows that um, will enable her to enhance her health wealth or achieve the goals that she wants, but is also um, giving her that sense of um, pride and uh, well-being because she's been really successful with what it is that she's doing. And so her coach will be saying, hey, um, Tully, you're just you're doing such an awesome job. You know, like you think six weeks ago you were doing this, you come in the door and you're, you were doing, let's say, for instance, uh, you could run on the treadmill for 10 minutes. So now you're running on the treadmill for, you know, 20 minutes and you, your posture is so good and, you know, your shoulders are back and you actually look like you're really enjoying yourself, you know, so this is great. And so the, a, a good trainer is always doing stuff like that. But then, you know, like I've, I've got a, a client that comes to me. He's been coming to me for years. I see him once a fortnight for 30 minutes and he comes in and we, we talk about books and we talk about movies and I get him moving while he's doing it and uh, we laugh and we chat and you know and I growl at him and say you know it'd be so much easier if you would you know get on your bike and go out biking in the weekends or do a little bit more movement during the week and he goes yeah 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 right Jean and I know full well that he's not going to. He knows he's not going to, but we have this banter going on. And I think, you know, I really make a difference in that man's life because I've actually, even though he's paying to come and see me as a trainer, I actually take an interest in him and what he's doing and, you know, ask about his family and stuff. And I might be the only person in his life that does that, you know, other than his family. Yeah. his sisters and yeah so you know um a really good personal trainer is a, a lot of things um you know so it's, it's not necessarily just about um 
not necessarily just about what it is that you're getting them to do. It's not the program. It's the bigger picture. Uh, yeah, you know, so you're, building, yeah. you're building a relationship which ultimately has a lot of trust in it and uh, and that caring enough to show the understanding that can help guide them and give them what they need based on where they are. Yeah, and, and then also um, is, you know, being prepared to refer them on to another allied health professional if necessary because mm. you know um, unfortunately we see all sorts of people and sometimes it, it's a matter of saying oh actually I think you need to go and speak to this person and then you know I'll quite often um, ring them and say I've got a client um, would you be able to help them and whatever whether it's a, a dietitian a physio acupuncture um, a psychologist uh, yeah, so. Mm. Well, so in regards to one thing I've always admired about you, Jean, is that you've always had this sense of responsibility to the, to the, the bigger whole. Um, you know, you've, you've always committed a lot of your time and energy to um, the, the governing bodies, um, you know, bodybuilding or New Zealand fitness. Um, there's a real sense of giving back. You know, you've got a very successful business. Um, you know, you could just be quite selfish and just kind of work on your own business. Well, not that they're selfish because you have massive, massive impact on your communities. But where, where does it come from and why do you think it's so important to you? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, when, when we were growing up, my father passed away when I was really quite young. Okay. Um, I, was, I was only eight and my mum brought myself and my three siblings up. Uh, pretty much by herself, but um, the our neighbourhood was a real community. Um, so you know, the whole community would go to the park. So we had a park just across the road from us, and so the children from next door, across the road, around the street, we'd all get to the park and we'd play softball or rugby, or we'd go and steal apples from the orchard or play barbador, you know, climb trees, fight with each other, you know, do all that stuff that children don't do today. Yeah. Um, and, but we, we had a real um, community uh, of all sorts of ages, um, different backgrounds. And, you know, quite often we'd ha end up having children for dinner. So the neighbours would be playing and it's like, right, it's dinner time. All right, well, who's, who's staying for dinner? And, it, you know, like mum would just feed whoever was there. You know, they always called mum Auntie Rachel and we called the, our neighbours Auntie June. And so we would just, it would just always be doing this stuff. You know, if you're at the neighbours and it was, you know, lunchtime, I mean, they would make you a banana sandwich. And, uh, you know, if they're at our place on a Saturday night, well, they'd stay and they'd watch a movie with us and you just bring next door and let them know that the children were here. And and I think it, it is it is just from that, you know, and I, I truly believe that if you put out in the universe, then the universe will look after you. Mm. And so, and I, with the industry, um, I think that the more... The more we give back to the industry and the more we share with our peers, the better the industry will be. So I, I've um, just started in the last couple of years, I work for Skills Active, well, I contract Skills Active, and I spend a lot of time sitting in front of my computer watching videos of um, students doing personal training. So doing a health questionnaire, pre-screen, fitness testing, 
And then they, uh, from that, they do goals and um, barriers and solutions. And then they write a summary of that. And then they prescribe a program for that person that they're working with. And then I look at their program and then I might ask them questions about their program. And I'm just asking them for validation around why they've done what they've done or why they've given those exercises. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but validate as to why you've um, done this. And then they take these um, their clients to the gym and they take them through their programs. And so I sit there and there's a criteria that I work with and I assess them and um, they have to do this four times with four different people and the, the first part of their course. And I give them feedback on their what it is that they're doing with their clients. And of course, you know, I'm giving them feedback on personal training as well. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're working with your client. You need to make eye contact with your client. Stop flapping that bit of paper around and waving your arms around and not looking at your client because that's not personal training. Mm. And so, um, so I just love giving that stuff to these students. And then you, know, you watch them with number one client. And then you see them with number four clients, like, wow, what a amazing change, you know? And it, it just makes me feel good. I just love it. So you, just, you, yeah. you get a lot of reward from seeing the development of somebody. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's the same with the clients that I work with as well. What about when you get someone who's, you can't crack, or, or at least it's a real hard struggle to crack, you know? Like, they come to you because they know they need to change, but they've got the barrier up from day one. How do you work with someone like that? And, and if you have been successful, what's worked? Because there are a lot of people who, are, who, you know, they know they should do fitness. The doctors said get into fitness, and they're like, you know, but, but they kind of come to you saying, I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm not going to like it. You know, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, that's what the message yeah. is. Um, I, I think with, um, sometimes with those people, uh, they, they start with you and they are challenging. They are challenging because they don't really want to be there or um, their personality is not gelling with yours. And I get on with most people, but every now and then there is, like you say, there is that hard nut to crack. Mm. And um, you do your best. Yeah. And sometimes it's just that person's not the right, right fit for you. And maybe they may be better better suited to somebody else to, to be working with, uh, you know, another trainer or, you know, like I've worked with people that I've referred to other trainers because that other trainer may have um, a niche for a particular type of training that that person requires. Yeah, so, um, and I do have quite a big network of trainers that I... Um, that I know from working the stuff that I do within the industry. And so it, it is um, it is easy to refer people on, but it's, uh, but it's also at the same time you can, I can use that network of trainers to actually chat about this client that I may have that I'm struggling with. What can I do? How can, how can I deal with this person? What, what would your recommendations be? So. Um, and I quite often do that with other trainers as well. So I might catch up with a trainer and go for a walk around Hagley Park and we'll just chat about stuff we're doing and uh, clients we're working with and scenarios that are happening and we just bounce ideas off each other. 
um, or I used to do a, a round table where I'd get half a dozen trainers all together and we would just uh, sit around the table and talk about our businesses and things that are going really, really well in our businesses and perhaps something that's a little bit challenging that you can sort of throw it out there to all the other trainers to have a, a chat about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing, you know, you've got the nickname Mean Gene. I know that's when you're teaching, you know, you, you kind of set high expectations. Um, but as a PT, when do you get that balance right of having to have the hard conversation with someone when they are just not pulling socks up, if you know what I mean? Um, you know, because... It is, sometimes we do have to have the hard conversation. And I, and I go back to what you said earlier is this, you know, you understand you've built empathy and trust, so they'll probably know you're coming from the right place. But how do you manage that? Because a lot of people don't like to have the hard conversation. I know you're quite comfortable with it, but what allows you to be comfortable with it? And how do you approach those times? Um, I think that comes back to um, having that trust with the, the people that you're working with. And, um, you know, like I have a few groups that I work with and I've got a couple of groups of girls and uh, and then I've got another group that's a mix of girls and boys and so I'm working with them as a group and so like for instance I had a session this morning at uh, nine o'clock so there's five girls and they we do in blocks of six weeks and so I've tried all sorts of ways of getting them to do goals and uh, you know, achieve the goals that they're after. And, and sometimes it's a little bit challenging. Uh, and but So I, I change things all the time. And so I'd give them, at the start of the six weeks, I'd give them a, a goal-setting sheet and just say their, their goal for the six weeks or if they want it further out, they can. And then they break it down to something that they're going to do every week and then the, the barriers to achieving these goals and then the solutions um, and how important is it that they achieve these goals? And so ideally you want them to say 10, um, one to 10. And if they say anything less than 10, it's like, well, really, is that the goal that you want? Um, And so what I've been doing with this particular group is each week I say, what are your goals for this week? And so for instance, uh, two of them this morning was to get to the gym three times. one of them was to walk the dog two times. Uh, another one was, uh, what was it? The gym, the gym, the dogs. Oh, I can't remember what the other one was. But then I make them accountable. and But I also make them accountable in front of everybody else as well. And I say, so how did you go with the alcohol-free days last week? Four. Awesome. That is great. Because the week before it was three. So four is fantastic. Yeah. So I celebrate that stuff. And then my dog walker is like, how many times did you walk the dog? Once. And I says, that's awesome. Let's aim for two this week. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so I'm talking to them. I'm talking goals to them all the time. And I'm also talking goals to them all the time. I'm also talking about um, stuff to look after themselves. So it's like talking to them about their hydration, about their, their food. And it might be, I might be having a conversation with you but there are those other four people in the room sharing in that conversation, you know, so I'm making mm. them accountable, not only to me, but to the others as well. Mm. And then, um, and sometimes I suppose it's the, the tone of voice that I might use, you know, like when I'm having a serious, it's like, well, actually, if you really want, if you're really serious, Bevan, about achieving this goal, 
then you actually need to start doing some of the stuff, stop doing the lip service to it. Mm. And so I have that, those conversations as well. And, and why are you comfortable doing that? Because a lot of, you know, no one likes to have confrontational conversation, but I get what you're saying is that you set up systems which create awareness and sometimes you do it in a group way, which kind of creates a good, healthy social pressure to help them kind of, you know, want to turn up and have done the work they're meant to do. But a lot of people want to say that thing, but don't say it. So what allows, why, why do you feel you're comfortable doing that? Oh, I think it's, I genuinely care about that person nice. and I'm, I'm doing it from a place of really wanting them to achieve what it is that they're after but more importantly I really want them to be happy yeah so because I care I can give tough love yeah yeah okay great yeah, yeah. Really and but I, I always do it and I don't do it in a, a way that I'm being um nasty or um or i'm i'm just wanting to be a, a bit of a smart ass yeah. it, it's not it's not like that it's like you know i i genuinely care yeah about you it's, it's not and, about your ego is it it's it's not about me you know it, no. it's purely i'm coming from a place of actually you need this right now to have some awareness and to make decisions yeah and and, and and you you get to make those choices mm. ultimately and you know if if you're happy with where you're at, that's great. Mm. You know, then mm. the stuff doesn't matter. But if you're not happy with where you're at, then you actually need to do something about it. Yeah. And these these are the things that you can start doing that can make an impact in your life. Mm. And it's, it, it's, it, it's the it, simple things. Well, we, but we need that person in our life, don't we? Because I think deep down a lot of people know when they're dropping the ball, but they don't have to confront it. And so they, they kind of accept a lower level. And then when someone does just kind of say, hey, what's up? You know, why, why is this happening? You kind of have to confront it. And often that leads to change. And so it's important, you know, and if you're investing in, in a personal trainer or someone to help guide you, you know, that, that's kind of, you're saying, I want you to be that role. But a lot of people are afraid to do it. And I like how you say it comes from a place of caring for them and actually wanting to help make the change they want. Mm, yeah, 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 most definitely. Yeah. One, one thing is, you know, you've been in the game for a long time. You've been in the fitness industry for 30 years, you know, so you kind of, um, like myself, we're kind of getting to later stages in our fitness life. What, what are the keys to being successful with movement as we age, from your experience? Um, you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit kind to yourself, mm. uh, you know, and you've got to, you've got to, you've got to know your body and you've got to listen to your body. And you've got to you've got to look after it because there's it's only one body, and yeah. when it's wrecked, it's wrecked. So um, you know there's lots of craziness out there as far as uh, movement and exercise goes, and I think you've got to try and get a, a balance. So um, you know I over the years I've done heavy resistance training, instead um, done bodybuilding. I've played uh, team sports, football, softball, touch rugby. Um, I've run marathons. I've done cycling races. Um, you know, I've done lots of hiking. Uh, and the only thing that I probably haven't done a lot of is the water sports because I don't really like the, the water that much. If you're hot, you get in the water and you get out again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I love the 
the cardiovascular exercise. Uh, I like how it makes me feel after it, not necessarily during. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the years, you know, I'm now a qualified certified yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, I, I sort of balance it out. I still cycle um, at least three times a week. And, you know, on a Sunday, it's, you know, 60, 60 Ks. Uh, I still run three times a week. Um, and generally, my it's about nine and a half Ks that I run when I run. And um, I oh, every now and then do a little bit of resistance training. I laugh about it because I said to my husband the other day, Oh, well, I did my 10 minutes of resistance training in the gym today. And he's like, 10 minutes, really? And I'm like, yeah, 10 minutes of shoulder press, and chest press, and, you know, this. As I just fly through it all in 10 minutes, it's over. And, you know, I practice yoga three times, three times a week. I walk the dogs. So I do a lot of, I do a lot of movement in my week and I balance it up with having variety in what I do. And so, so has, has it been hard? Because, you know, like you're a bit like me, like, I know, you, you, you know, when you train, you don't like to piss around. Um, and you and I are very similar to that. Like we, the workout, I, you know, I know when you and I would sit next to each other in RPM, we're here to train, you know, that's kind of always our thing. Yeah. And, and in some areas, I imagine like in, in, on a bike, you can probably still smash it out. Whereas running may be not so intense. So how do you learn to accept where I can push and where I can't push? Or is that how you do it? Yeah, um, I mean, sometimes I have to have that stern talk to myself and tell myself to put my finger around my bottom and get yeah. moving, get mm. uncomfortable, um, because sometimes you yeah, go through the motions. Mm. I try not to go through the motions, um, mm. but every now and then I'm like, like anybody else, sometimes I struggle to get out the door. You know, I procrastinate for quite some time, yeah. um, and then I get myself out the door and it's like... You should have done this hours ago. Like I went for a run this morning at quarter to seven. It was pitch black, but I had a, a torch around my chest so I could see where I was going. And I had this run around the duck park and it was, uh, it was a stunning morning. I knew last night that I was going to run at quarter to seven. So well, I had a client from six to six thirty. My six thirty client had a breakfast meeting, so I didn't see him. So I had my running gear on under my work clothes. And so I came inside, said good morning to my husband, got my torch, got my watch, and out the door I went. Uh, it's fair to say that my run was probably two minutes slower today. So I sort of keep an eye on the, the finish time to make sure that I'm you know, on task. And uh, it was two minutes slower, but it was, I'm running on a track. And um, for those people that do know me well, know that I fall over quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just get into a trance and I just fall over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm very, I was very mindful of where I was putting my feet and where I was, you know, running. Uh, yeah. So and then I got home and got home and sort of had my my boiled eggs and my shower and my second shower for the day and it's not even eight thirty. Yeah. So I try and I try and balance try and balance it up, um, Bevan and and yeah, I'm just like anybody else like yourself too probably is that you know when I go biking actually if I if I want to be really honest with myself and my workouts um I do it with somebody else yeah. so like I go biking with a guy on Sundays 
And I always talk to my husband about the game because we bike from Redwood to Sumner up Evans Pass. And if I can stay close to the guy I'm riding with, um, I'm I'm oh, doing okay. pretty good. Okay. Um, but if I can get past him, which I've only ever done it twice, have got past him and got to the top of Evans Pass before him, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> I won that one. I got that. Um, and then and there was this one time I I blitzed him, and I was like, I was so excited. I mean, I was so excited, and um, then he told me he wasn't feeling that way. I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> and then the other week, no the other problem. week, the other week he was, I got past him and I was biking up the hill and we're only about uh, two meters from the top. And I was like, oh, I was just about dying. And then he starts talking to me from behind. <sighs> and I thought, oh, no, he's going to beat me. Anyway, he was, it was a real gentleman and he sat in behind me and just made me grind a little bit harder to stay in front of him. Um, yeah, so so when I go out riding with him on a Sunday, it's nice. it's, it's so, a, so when you it's do want to push hard, you kind of create an environment which will bring it out of you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so every now and then I go and do an event so yeah. that I run hard. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it just brings that honesty, doesn't it? Um, you, you you've got your daughter and she's doing really well in life, but kids' fitness is a is a, a big concern. Yep. Um, when we look at what's, you know, it's, it's definitely more challenging with devices and the way kids kind of socialize and act nowadays, uh, but it's also a massive problem moving forward. Just your thoughts on kids' fitness and what as adults and parents we should be thinking about to actually create that foundation of our kids' love and amusement movement for life. Yeah, well, half the problem there, Bevan, is that the parents don't move. So the mm. parents don't move, so the children don't move because it's mm. learned behavior. Um, you know, like listening to you talk about your daughter, um, my daughter is also joined, joined a gym. She joined Les Mills when she was still at school here and now she's living in Melbourne at Performing Arts College and she's joined the gym there and she sees the importance now to being fit, to being strong, um, to having strong muscles. You know, she's not worried about She's not worried about how it looks to other people, but for her craft of performing arts, musical theatre, she needs mm. to be able to dance and to sing and to, to look strong and portray whatever character it is that she's playing. And, um, you know, like all through her childhood, um, she's seen her mother and her father bike, run, walk, play sports, uh, go to the gym, teach group fitness. Mm. So to her, it's just something that you do. But in honesty, it's not something. When she was little, it was not something that she enjoyed. Mm. Like she didn't. She didn't enjoy playing football. Like she was quite a good wee footballer, but she didn't really enjoy playing football. Uh, if you were to tell her to go run she'd go, oh, no, no the, these legs don't run. Like she's in lockdown at the moment and she's worried about her fitness to be able to sing and dance. And so I said to her to go and do some 100-meter uh, sprint repeats. She's like, what? And I said, yeah, and go do a, do a 2K walk, a run to, just to warm up, get yourself nice and warm, and then go run as hard as you can for 100 meters and then turn around and get back. Yep have a rest, you can repeat again. And I said, start with, you know, five, 
and build up to 10. And I said, and that will enable you to get that huff and puff going on. And she's like, oh, mum, really? That's crazy. I said, well, you want to get, you want to get that huff and puff going on? That'll do it for you yeah. because she can't go to the gym. Mm. Yeah. So I think, you know, today she, she goes to the gym and she can see the importance of what it is that she's, she's yeah. doing. And but that's a learned behavior from her upbringing with us. Mm. And I look at uh, the, the people that I'm like my groups that I'm working with that have children, and you know, I encourage them to bring their children to my studio or to our outdoor workouts. Mm. Um, sometimes the children participate, and sometimes they go and play in the park or do whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's that surrounding them with like-minded people that you know care about their health wealth it's not necessarily about how they look because let's let's be real Um, you can be a bigger person and be really unfit you can be a bigger person and be really fit Mm. you can be a skinny person and be really unfit or Mm. skinny person and be really really fit Mm. Um, so it doesn't really matter how you look but it's really important how you feel. Yeah, totally. And that's what's really interesting watching my daughter because she aesthetically is enjoying that she's, you know, starting to look better, but but she's more importantly, and she's actually got a really mature attitude. She's just understanding the value that's bringing to her life other than just the movement, you know, the the mm. stress release, the connection, the feeling, the esteem, you know, that overcome adversity, all that good stuff that fitness brings. And it's yeah. it's nice for her to actually understand, oh, my life is better if I just do this movement thing. Yeah. Um, and sure, and the benefit is I do get to look a little bit better, but she's not really chasing that, which is really important. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I always admire about you, Jean, is, you know, you, you uh, the thing of, you know, there's lots I admire about you, but this you've always developed yourself in more than just fitness. And, and I think of your painting. Like I remember when you first started painting, you were doing your nudes, you know, I mean, yeah. when, you know, and they're pretty basic back in those days. And then uh, I think last year you put something up, uh, I saw a painting you had done and I was like, Oh my God, this is phenomenal. Um, you know, you, you've, uh, one of the th- character traits you seem to have is I want to always grow in more than one area. Is that, is that fair? And, and how do you approach that with the other areas of your life, not just fitness? Yeah. Well, um, like I say, I, I haven't actually painted probably for, for six months, um, but I love painting mm. and I find it... You're very good at it now too. I find it quite relaxing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, I've been learning te reo okay. and um, that's, that, challenges, that challenges my mind um, and it challenges me as, as a person as well um, because it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite hard to learn. Um, but also there are lots of really mixed feelings and emotions out there about te reo and um, Māori and so forth. And so you, 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 I battle sometimes with what other people are thinking and what they're saying. Yep. Um, but um, I really enjoy it. But I have started when our daughter left for Melbourne, we had a, I had my little studio inside the house. So I've converted that to, to my room, which I have my paints and my easel, but I've also got my sewing machine and my overlocker. And so I've started sewing again. Wow. Um, and I find that relaxing. And, and currently at the moment, I'm making uh, shower caps for my clients for Christmas. I know, <laughs> but they're bright orange and bright pink and they've got 
ribbon on them and they've got lace on them and yeah I've got a they're all just sitting on the floor in there so I can just close the door because I don't like mess so I can close the door and I only go in there when Get I want to yeah. yeah when I want to sew but I've also started to be I'm quite a creative person so I've been doing I've got a thermomix which uh so I do lots of um making of curries and I made a sticky date pudding for the first time on Friday night for, for my husband um, and then what I do is I made a, a cheesecake and I made a sticky date pudding and we had mum and I like cheesecake so we had a small piece of cheesecake each and Derek had some sticky date pudding and then the next day I chopped it all up and I put it in wee containers and I put some in the freezer and I took some to the neighbours so I make the stuff and then I take it to the neighbours um, and share it with them uh, yeah, so I like to, I like to keep myself busy. I like to. Uh... But you, what, what one thing I like is you're not one dimensional. No, you know, like, you know, because well, you see a lot in the fitness industry, don't you? You know, people who are busy, but all they do is all they do and know is fitness. And uh, you know, you've kind of, you know, there's many bows to your many kind of strings to your bow, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just think it um, it helps to create a bit of you. Yeah. Nice. You know, it just helps to create a better you. And I mean, there's there's the stuff that we do in life that's fast and furious. And then, you know, there, there needs to be stuff in life that enables you to have that happy medium and that, that balance. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think we're just better people for it. Mm. And, and it's also that thing of it broadens your perspective on life, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, like for me, because I was that one dimensional fitness instructor, you know, I started at 30, I kind of realised I needed to create a, a rounder me. And then, you know, that's when I started piano and stuff. And piano has taught me life lessons and things about myself, which fitness could have never taught me. Yeah. You know? And it makes me a better fitness professional. You know, like it's, you know, it does. It broadens your overall perspective on all things, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And, you know, like, and I'm not scared to to share all that stuff that I do. So, like, when I'm teaching RPM um, and yoga, I'm speaking a lot of Tereo in my mm. class and so I'll do the, the English and then I'll say the Tadeo. Yeah. Um and you know and I'll laugh at myself. I do laugh at myself and I took to my class a couple of weeks ago. I said, Oh, so guess what I've been learning in Tadeo this week? And yes the body parts. So you know, we're talking about the the ringa ringa and the Y Y, so that's the arms and the legs and um yeah, and I you know, talk about my crazy shower caps and yeah, do all that crazy stuff. And then the next minute I'll be going, right, now if you're really serious about getting fitter and stronger, you got to turn that dial up and you got to feel a little bit of discomfort, mm. you know. So and I think all that stuff enables me to be that person. Yeah, so you have a sense of trust in self and that allows me to actually help people more. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Hey, Jen, I could talk to you for hours, but I, I, we are limited on time. So um, if people want to follow you or, or do you kind of you know, do you website or... No, no I'm, I'm terrible, Bevan. I don't have a website. <laughs> I, I do a little bit on Facebook, but I don't really do much on Facebook because I think if people want to know about me, they can ring me and ask me. Yeah. I don't do photos on, don't yeah. share family photos or anything like that on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I do do a little bit for business, but I haven't really been doing that. I have Instagram, but I don't know how to use it. Um, so, but people can private message me uh they can ring me they can call me up they can have coffee 
we do the you know the old-fashioned way of communication yeah. um, well, but it's, it's proof isn't it because i think in, in, the, in this industry now everyone's trying to chase the internet dollar and it's like you know what if you're just a great community leader in your community you always have a great business yeah you know, and, um you're you know well you're more than that but you're, you know you're a great example of that you've just got this powerful group of people that you a philosophy you're trying to spread to your world you know you never have to worry about business do you you know it's yeah it's, you know and it's i mean you you're constantly you're constantly working with the business and on the business hmm. but um you know like I'm, I'm me and I do do things my way and you know I'm, I'm open to I'm open to change um, I'm open to suggestion and yeah I'm I believe that we're here for um, a short time and it needs to be a good time yeah. and so you know you got to get out there and be a little bit courageous at times and be a little bit naughty and you know laugh lots and yeah. you know just enjoy life and I mean I spend quite a lot of time at a computer and it's like I don't need to share my world with people on Facebook and stuff so yeah one day I might get a website but well well it doesn't sound like you really need it (laughs) hey Jean thank you so much for your time I love I love I admire what you've done in your career I love your philosophy and and how you uh, fundamentally as you're talking the thing I think that you ultimately is always showing is that you just really care about helping people you know and it goes down to you you know that even just your blue tree little kind of carrier you used to have when you used to personal yeah. train it was that you know what my service is really important and i want to make sure that people get the best out of me and it's a show it in everything that you do so you've been an inspiration and i um yeah you're just a really important fitness leader in our industry so thank you for your time and oh, your work thank you so much Bevan. no worries mate you pretty inspirational in yourself young man oh we try we try yeah <laughs> hey you have an awesome day Bev. lovely thanks. chatting to you thanks man Tim, hopefully you enjoyed that little interview with Gene Scott. Um, as I was saying before, I did put the interview on. I ha- I'm doing this bit before I've actually done the interview. So while I don't know what we talked about, I'm sure you gained a lot from Jean. She is you know, someone who I have so much respect for in the fitness industry. Uh, other than that, uh, if you want to support the show, you can become a patron. Go to Bevan James Isles. You can also get my book, The Fitness Attitude There, or my 5K running course, which is called My 5K Dream. Uh, just an update on my other book. It's now at the publisher, exciting times. The release date of my new book is going to be about April, May, April, March, April next year, 2022. So, Getting a lot of work done behind the scenes. I'm creating a course that goes alongside the book. It's a lot of work, um, but I'm pretty excited about what it's going to happen there. So anyway, uh, that's pretty much today's show done and dusted. I'll be back in, in a couple of weeks from now with another Bevan episode. Oh, actually, one other thing. If you're not getting my weekly videos, keep active with Bevan. Either follow me on Instagram. I don't really follow me on Facebook because Facebook doesn't show my stuff. So uh, for some reason, when I put a post on Facebook, no one really sees it. So obviously Facebook doesn't like me, so don't worry about me on Facebook. But if you want to get an email to you, go to keepactivewithbevan.co.nz, put your information in, and then basically I send through like a six to eight minute video every Sunday night, which is a short education thing, kind of like the show, but in a short, impactful way. Anyway, I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with the next episode of the Bevan James Hour Show. As always, keep being you.